Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together. Before we open God's Word, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can trust you in all times, when times are good and when we go through times of suffering. Thank you that you are good and your mercy endures forever. So we would ask, Lord, that today you open our eyes, allow us to see from your word what your spirit would have for us, your people. Encourage us by your word, guide us by your word, and help us to respond in faith and in obedience to you. For Jesus' sake, amen. Well, we're going to be looking at our fourth individual this morning in the Gospel of John in our series, Live Boldly. Our scripture for this study has been 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18, where the Apostle John wrote this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. I'm going to encourage you to commit that scripture to memory. Maybe as a family, work on that together, and uh, see who can memorize that first. But committing 1 John 4.18, perfect love casts out fear. If you've got a little one, that might be what they remember and what they can commit to memory. We've been thinking of this verse throughout our study, and here we are in this most unusual situation. We began with the first individual in John chapter 4, and we looked at the woman who was searching for love. She was looking for love in all the wrong people, in all the wrong places, and she was met by the master. She found love because love found her, the woman at the well, the woman of Samaria. Then we saw the teacher of Israel, Nicodemus, and he was alive and he was religious, but he didn't have spiritual life. And he was able to find life when Jesus met him and how patient Jesus was with Nicodemus and all of his questions about three years it took it for him to come all the way to faith in Christ, and I'm so thankful that God is so patient with us. Last Sunday, we met together. We are fewer in numbers, trying to be mindful of the virus and uh, how contagious it is and how it spreads. And there were some who gathered, and you probably were able to view the sermon of the man born blind, this man who found sight from John's gospel, the ninth chapter. Today, we're going to look at a very different individual, and this is the cousin of Jesus and how he finds faith. And we're going to see in John 1, John 3, and even in Matthew chapter 11, I want to encourage you to prioritize reading God's word every day. Don't waste this time. Don't waste this time of isolation, but get alone with God. Turn off the various distractions and go to the Lord and seek him and find him. Each of the four individuals that we have been considering, they ended up living boldly for God. They had nothing in common with each other. They were very different. But each of them met Jesus, and their lives were radically changed. 
if we take away anything from this series, let us take away that it is all about Jesus. Everything we do, everything we say, it's all about Jesus. When we truly meet Jesus, our lives are never the same. He changes us, radically changes us. This morning as we look into John's gospel, we begin in John chapter 1, and we're going to see four resolutions. I'm asking you to make a commitment. We can't do this on our own. We, we must have the Lord's help. But to make the resolution to live boldly for God for your whole life, for my whole life, for the rest of my life, I want to live boldly for God, and I'm inviting you into this walk to live boldly. The first resolution that we can ask the Lord to help us to make from the life of John the Baptist is, number one, give my best for God. To give my best for God. I will give my best for God. John chapter 1, if you have your copy of the Scriptures, Let's go to verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. John came as a witness. He came as a witness for the Lord. He came bearing witness of the word made flesh. And if you jump down to verse 19... And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him then, why are you baptizing? If you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet, John answered him, Answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. I want to encourage you to bring your best. Bring your best for God, for his mission. Bring your fire, bring your passion. 
Kids, I want to talk to you. Each of you are unique. Psalm 139 tells us we're made uniquely, that God created us in the womb. So I want to give you an assignment. Children, I want to give you an assignment. If you're listening, here's assignment number two. First of all was to memorize 1 John 4.18. Assignment number two is this. When we're done, go find a picture from when you were brand new, just an infant baby and born, and bring that picture, get that picture out, and talk about that with, with your loved ones. Go back to that day when you came into the world. And then think about being born into a family as Jesus was born of a virgin. And then his cousin was born miraculously. Late in life, Elizabeth and Zachariah, they were not going to have children. And God came and did a miracle. And here is how John the Baptist was born a unique arrival into this world. John was the final Old Testament prophet sent from God. He was born into the household of a priest. You can read about that in Luke chapter 1. This guy was most unusual. You might be a little unusual. I think John here might have you beat. The baptizer. He would have been an amazing and unusual guest speaker. He had a wild appearance. In Mark chapter 1, he wore a camel's hair garment, leather belt around his waist. He was out in the wilderness. He had a strange diet, locusts and wild honey. His message was bold. He preached fire and brimstone. He, he shouted out that like an axe is laid at the root, and he called people snakes and vipers. He was calling everyone to repentance. He was a bold preacher. He started out, as we see in John 1, he started out doing all the right things. He was a, a light shining, he said in verse 7, spotlighting the coming light who is Jesus. He was a voice crying in verse 23, make straight the way of the Lord. He's preparing the way for the coming of the king. He was a finger pointing, we see in verse 29, and he cries out, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he, he proclaims the eternality of Christ when he says, he was before me. John was born before Jesus, was born physically, humanly, but he says he was before me because he's proclaiming the eternality of Messiah, the Son of God. He ranks above me. John proclaimed, this is the Son of God in verse 34. This is the second member of the triune God. John was unique, and God used him powerfully. God made him just the way he wanted him. And let me tell you, God made you just the way he wanted you. For some of us, it's hard to believe that. We struggle with the person that we see in the mirror, we struggle with the person that we know to be. And I just want to remind you that God knows you. He made you. He loves you. John was a unique individual and God used him powerfully. God has allowed you to go through the experiences that you have gone through for a purpose. That's what Romans 8.28 tells us. God wants to use you. So receive the investment of those who are instructing you. 
those who are bringing to you the word of God, those who are in your small group community, and let people invest into your life the truth of the word of God. God wants to use you. So think about it. Why is it? Why is it a good thing that God made us exactly the way he made us? He made us each in a unique way for a reason. Why is that? Think about that. The second resolution, not only should we give our best to God, we would ask that the Lord would help us. Lord, I want to strive for humility for all of life. So John started out saying the right things, doing the right things. He is tested in the third chapter of John when his ministry begins declining. Jesus' followers begin increasing. John 3 and verse 22, after this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John was also baptizing at Anon near Salem because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized. For John had not yet been put in prison. There's a little note of the suffering that was coming John's way. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered. Now here he gives the right answer. He knows what is right to say. Verse 27, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. John is saying all the right things. You can take his life and you can see what he's saying. He must increase. Jesus must increase. More of Jesus, less of me. It's an important statement. It's not easy to make. How did John walk through this? His own people, his followers were ditching him. They were going to follow after Jesus. He knew what was right to say. And he meant what he was saying. John was confident in God's providence at this point in his life. He says that in verse 27, a person cannot receive one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. So he knows where everything good comes from and everything that is difficult that we handle in life comes through the hands of a loving God. John was content, we see in verse 28, with being uh, off the bench, with not being the starter, but being one who comes out of the bench. He knew what it was to play second fiddle. He knew what it was to be the supporting actor. That's hard for us, isn't it? It's not easy when someone else gets the promotion, when someone else, they've kept their job and you've lost your job, when someone else is well and you're dealing with sickness and you know the right things to say, but is it connecting head, heart, life, mind? 
John knew all the right things to say. He was perfectly fine with the exaltation of Jesus. In verse 29, he's like, that's what I told you. He must increase, I must decrease. I'm good with this. Beloved, when we say this with John, more of Christ, less of me, we have to be careful of what we're asking. This is a prayer of humility. This prayer would be answered by God in the life of John as John's ministry was fading away and fading off the pages of time and out of Scripture, and Jesus was coming online to be displayed as Messiah, ministering wherever he would go. This is true for the Old Testament. This is true for the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we meet a king in 2 Chronicles 36. He was proud. The king's name was Zedekiah. And in verse 12, it says that he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord his God. He did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to, to this king from Jeremiah and this king just cut off sections of that scroll and burned them in the fire. He had no respect for the word of God. He had no respect for the man of God. And it did not go well for him. He did not humble himself. Judgment came upon him. You can read of that, 2 Chronicles 36. In the New Testament, James, the half-brother of Jesus, he writes, and, and you think about where James started off, not believing uh, Jesus, his brother, his half-brother. He didn't want to follow him. He didn't want to surrender everything to him. He didn't want to worship him. But after the resurrection, James understands and he writes in James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. So you might take and just discuss together and think about and contemplate what makes it so difficult for us to humbly play the second fiddle, the second chair, the supporting actor, the assistant instead of the leading role. Why is that so hard? And remember John's example and how he lived boldly. He started off so boldly. And that brings us to our, our third resolution. By the grace of God, for my whole life, I will handle every doubt by pursuing the truth. Pursuing the truth. We will have doubts. We will go through struggles and here we have to go to Matthew's gospel to get the account. Matthew chapter 11. We, here, we, we catch up to John. He's now in prison. He's been thrown in prison by Herod the king. Knowing the rest of the story, he's about to die. He's about to be beheaded. He's a faithful preacher. He confronts Herod over his adultery and his immorality and his arrogance Handle every doubt by pursuing the truth. Matthew chapter 11, look at verse 1. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you, what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. 
Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Handle every doubt by pursuing the truth. Here we find that John is at an all-time low. His time was coming to an end. He was wondering, am I right or am I wrong about this Jesus? But John directed his doubt. He directed his questions toward Jesus. He didn't run from Jesus. Oh, as a pastor, how I would long for the people that I have served with over a quarter of a century in ministry to run to the Lord, to run to wise counsel from the word of God in the church and not to their own resources, not to their own ideas, to their own destruction. John takes his doubt. He takes his questions to the Lord through his disciples and he finds the way and the truth and the life. Where do you take your doubts? Where do you take your questions? Maybe today would be a good day to remind someone, to encourage someone, to reach out to someone, that someone that the Spirit of God brings to you that you're thinking of that you haven't seen in a while, that may be struggling in their walk with Christ or, or wherever they may be, let God use you today to reach out to them. Jesus guided John's men to the truth. He told them, look around. Remember what the Old Testament foretold about the coming Messiah? And Jesus says, look around. What do you see? He's anchoring his ministry to the prophetic word of Isaiah. He didn't take John back to the experience of what happened in the water, the waters of baptism, and, and, and the Father speaking in heaven, and the Spirit descending like a dove. He didn't take him back to that moment. He took him back to the Old Testament. He took him back to the Word of God. Beyond emotionalism, beyond anything sensational, he took him to the Word of God. It's this question that we always must be asking, beloved. What does the Bible say? Well, I think this. Well, I think that. Well, they did this. Well, they did that. But what does the Bible say? What has God spoken? What do you see going on here? The scriptures are being fulfilled. He tells John's men, go and tell John what you're seeing, what you have witnessed, everything that you've seen. Go tell John what is being fulfilled. The gospel is being proclaimed. Lives are being changed. Encourage him with this. And beloved, this is what Christianity is all about. Go tell what God has done for you. And we can know this. And I've said this repeatedly, quoting Ron Hutchcraft. I remember hearing this on the Christian radio as a kid, that Jesus is the only relationship we can totally trust and never lose. All other relationships will let you down, will fail you, will come to an end. Jesus is the only relationship that you can totally trust and never lose. So can I ask you this question, how? How will you respond? How will you respond when you fail? How will you respond when others fail you, let you down? If you're like me, there are people close to you, people that you have looked up to, friends, family members, and they've let you down. They've walked away from marriage. They have walked away from a relationship with you. And it hurts because relationships matter. 
maybe then we need to think about how have we let people down? It's really easy for us to find fault in others, but how have we let people down? And how we need to come back to, if we're going to live boldly, we have to come back to the person and work of Jesus Christ and his spirit and allow him to evaluate our lives. Number four, our fourth resolution, that by God's grace, for my whole life, I will take my refuge in Jesus. And we see in Matthew 11, that Jesus has something to say about this question that's brought to him by the disciples of John. In verse seven, as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see, Jesus said? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see, a man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see, a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Now listen to what Jesus says about John. The man who is in a dungeon, who is struggling with doubt, who is... a There's a chance that he would be offended at Jesus. The plans weren't going the way he thought they would go. He thought it would work out much better. If we're honest, God has let, John could easily see that God has let him down, but he hasn't. And Jesus says this truly in verse 11 of Matthew 11, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you. You did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking. And they say, he has a demon. The son of man, Jesus speaking of himself, came eating and drinking. And they say, look at him. A glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her, de- by her deeds. Oh, as we see this fourth resolution to take our refuge in Christ, Jesus affirmed John. Remember, Jesus is the friend of sinners. He affirmed John. When John was in his biggest struggle in life, his lowest point, and this is how Jesus treated this individual with love. He treated him with grace. I can't make it without this. 
you can't make it without this kind of love. That Jesus would respond to John's struggle saying he was more than a prophet in verse 9. In verse 11, that there's no one greater than John the Baptist. Jesus affirmed John the Baptist in his ministry and his faithfulness, and he encouraged him. Jesus summarized the ministry of all the Old Testament prophets. Then he says, can you hear? Do you understand? Can you hear what God is saying? Jesus rebuked the stubborn and self-righteous, mostly the religious leaders in verses 16 and 17. We all need to pay close attention to this. We need to take a close look at the ways that we can be wrongly stubborn and self-righteousness, and that's so easy for all of us. Jesus embraced the insults that they brought. The religious leaders, they they cast out John. They didn't want to listen to John. He was on one side in their view. Jesus was on another side. They rejected both of them. And this is what they said about Jesus. He is a glutton and a drunkard because he came eating and drinking. Maybe you're thinking, "What what if people knew everything about me? Would they still want me? Would they still accept me and love me? Our confidence and boldness, it must rest here in the Son of Man because he's the friend of tax collectors and the friend of sinners. I'm so thankful for that. Jesus loved them. He met every person right where they were and he would take them to where God wanted them to be. He is the friend of sinners. And he simply closes out this teaching saying, basically, children are going to look like their parents. You hear what someone is saying? Look at the behavior of their children. Look at the behavior of those who follow them and do what they say. Follow them. Wisdom is justified by her deeds. Jesus' ministry was defined by transformation. Can you see how God is transforming you by his grace? Can you see how the Lord Jesus is patiently calling you to come to him, you who are weary and heavy laden and find rest for your souls in him? Can you see the ministries and Jesus is saying, look at the ministries of the religious leaders and they're bankrupt and look at the ministry of the son of God. Lives are changed. And that is the word going back to John the Baptist at his lowest point. Can you dream of how God might use you, even in this time of chaos and crisis, knowing that Jesus is the friend of sinners, that he loves you, he loves your family, he loves your neighbors, and he wants to use you. He wants to use us as a church to glorify him by reaching out to those in need around us. So let's look at these four resolutions again. To give my best for God, all right? By God's grace, if he will help us and allow us for our whole life, give my best for the Lord. Give it all to him. Don't don't wait. Don't procrastinate. To strive always for humility, to handle every doubt by searching for the truth, going to the truth, going to wise counsel, and for our whole lives to take our refuge, not in a bank account, not in our health, not in Washington, D.C., or in the the medical professionals working to find a cure, but take our refuge in Jesus. Let me encourage you. Seek God with all your heart. When we are found by him, we receive the love that we need, 
the life that we need, the sight that we need, and the faith that we need. It's all found in Jesus. I'm praying that God will use us, that God will use you to live boldly for all of the days of our lives. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. I pray as we go from this message and we let this message sink deep into our hearts, we think about, we ponder, we prayerfully evaluate where we are, whether we know Christ or we need to come to know Christ. And I pray that you will use this message by your word, by your spirit, to change hearts and lives forever. In Jesus' good and powerful and mighty name we pray, amen. Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com. Please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.